the JK Podcast is brought to you by CollarAndElbowBrand.com. Collar and Elbow was founded on the traditional values of professional wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product intended to connect with people on an emotional level. A symbiotic relationship where one cannot flourish without the other. We strive to create a product that embodies our passion for professional wrestling expressed through street fashion. Make sure to use promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout and receive yourself a sweet 10% off your entire order from CollarAndElbowBrand.com. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafill here on the JNK Podcast. What's up, guys? Of course, powered by the Gorilla Position and the Roar Network. Yes. So, Carl, another week has come and gone here, but we are not alone on this episode. We have two guests this week. Oh, you kind of creeped me out a little bit there. I'm thinking, uh, you know, have you had like a spirit box or something going? We got no. some other, you know, no, entities happening? It. or <laughs> We do not. First of all, we have Editor-in-Chief of the Gorilla Position, Ryan Bowman. Yes. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always good to talk to our friends up north. Absolutely. And from the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, we have the world's biggest Charlotte Flair fan, Rick Vickery. It's me, it's me. It's that R, the B, to the V. <laughs> Rick Vickery here at the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. I, I got to tell you guys, uh, I am I am beyond excited and more so just honored uh, to be on with you guys in kind of this this first ever like super podcast for the Roar Network, uh, mm-hmm. the great meeting of the minds that we've got going on here. It, it's it almost kind of feels like DC Marvel crossover ish, so it's pretty cool. I think for people who are a fan of uh, all of our shows to kind of see a little bit uh, from three different shows here, I think is going to be uh, very interesting. It's going to be fantastic. Yep, I would say it's more it's a meeting of the minds and me. Absolutely. But I appreciate you guys having me. <laughs> so. I had something completely different in mind to start off the episode here with us together here, but unfortunately this morning we have uh, gotten some unfortunate news in the wrestling business here. Passing of Heart Foundation member Jim the Anvil Neidhart, guys. So yeah, so I mean for this today we're going to be doing something uh, a little bit different. I mean we have done this before for others that have passed away, but I mean really our heart goes out to... Uh, everyone that was involved with the Hart Foundation, um, especially right now, we're looking at, you know, Brett, Brett Hart, um, who is unfortunately the last surviving soul member of the real original Hart Foundation. Yeah. And, and of course, to Natalia as well. Um, Natalia losing her, her father at, I believe, 63 years old. Um, very, very unfortunate to hear. But... We know that nothing lasts forever except diamonds, apparently, according to Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. And I would say that Jim the Anvil Neidhart was a diamond. But unfortunately, we did lose another one. So for this week, what we're going to be doing is we're going to play a little clip from years ago of Jim the Anvil Neidhart, I do believe with Bret Hart and Jimmy Hart, mm-hmm. um, do, doing a, a, some sort of a promo. And then afterwards, for everyone, we're going to do a 10-bell salute. And then we'll all kind of uh, reflect on uh, our, our personal memories uh, from, uh, from watching him. So here we go. He's 
He's got to be the happiest man in the World Wrestling Federation right now. Jimmy Hart, come on in. Honky Talk Man, your Intercontinental Champion. Oh, yes. And from Reno, Nevada, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, the former football great from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Brett the Hitman Hart are the tag team champions of the world. You know, the paper said, everybody says, the greatest team in the history of professional wrestling today. I guess you can say we are the in crowd. Am I right, Anvil? <laughs> what about it, Jim Neidhart? You know what's wrong with the killer bees? Why do the killer bees have to cheat and use their masks? Why do the Islanders have to come to the ring in dresses? Why do the Demolition have to wear spikes? Why are the Rougeos just so unpopular? Because <laughs> as our man said it, they just aren't in with the in crowd. <laughs> We're the in crowd. Is that right, Bret Hart? Wouldn't you think so? You're the tag team champions Jade, of the world. Honest, if we'd let you inside the Heart Foundation, Bill, and we let you come to the parties with the Heart Foundation, <laughs> you'd want to come, right? I've been inside the Heart Foundation. Yeah, but I mean, you'd like to stay. You'd like to stay with the good. You've got a few different but people we, uh, up there, I'd say that. Yeah, we have a lot of different people, but the point is, the in crowd is on a roll. The Heart Foundation is on a roll, and we keep rolling and rolling and rolling over all these tag teams, Gene. There's none left. They're dropping like flies around here. <laughs> and what is with this color pink? Ever since the Heart Foundation or the world champions, everybody's wearing pink. You can find it in any store from coast to coast. That's in, baby. <laughs> you know, let me tell you this, Daddy. Yes, like you said, hard. the in crowd. We are cool, we are cocky, and we are confident, and we are the world champions. If you want us, come and get us. You know, we have open contracts. The Heart Foundation. Big, bad, rough, and tough, and hard to bluff, You're right? right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. They are the tag team champions of the world. They are the Heart Foundation. <laughs> So there we go with a tribute to Jim the Anvil Neidhart. So I think to, to kind of uh, reflect on things here, let's uh, throw it over to our first-time guest here, uh, Mr. Rick Vickery, and uh, tell us your your fondest memories of watching uh, a true legend work in the business of professional wrestling. Well, you know, when I saw this news this morning, it was, you know, the first thing, you know, it was all over the Twitterverse, Facebook right there. Everybody, uh, you know, all the fans, you know, deeply impacted by this. You know, so many great memories of, of Jim the Anvil Neidhart and the Hart Foundation as a whole. Uh, but, you know, but to me, that, that first memory was that infectious laugh of his. Yes. Uh, that, that would just set him apart from, you know, other characters and personalities. Uh, that, you know, that will be something that always stands out about him. Uh, it, it, it's one of those small things, you know, he's such a, a, a great talent, great physique, a, a true powerhouse of his time. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's those little extras uh, that, that stick with you. And, and also, as you guys were talking to you beforehand, Condolences to the entire family, but you know, especially Natalia, who you know we we get to see as real as you can get through reality television. Yeah. Uh, but she she comes off as so sincere uh, in her, you know, in her true just affection and admiration that she had for her father. Uh, so you know, hopefully that you know that she's able to uh, to hold together, you know, in this in this sad time. Yeah. You Ryan? You know, every day I do the uh, This Day in History, and ironically, today is the 30th anniversary of Owen Hart, 
making the jump to the WWF. So in 1988, his original run. Of course, he teamed later and now is also, he's joined by uh, the Anvil today. Look at that entire Stampede roster and that Stampede wrestling family. Jim Neidhart wasn't a Canadian, but he was so tied in. Look, and, and you guys being Canadian fans, obviously you're on the other side of the country, but yep. you're so tied yeah. into that Stampede era, and, and it, it was so influential on res- in wrestling. And if you go down the list from Pillman to Dynamite to, to Davy Boy to Bad News Allen, all the guys that are gone now that came out of Stampede, and it's a shame. You're right. Red Hart is kind of the last man standing now. I mean, guys, I mean, uh, for us as, as Canadian wrestling fans here, that was our group. That was our faction, the Heart Foundation. That was, you know, for for us as kids, I mean, uh, I mean, I was a huge fan of, of Bret Hart and obviously Owen Hart. And, and, and Neidhart was probably the most underrated person in that group. He didn't, I, I know most wrestling fans will give him his credit, but I think, uh, you know, the casual kind of fan, I think, isn't aware of just how good he actually was. I think for me, really... Um he was another one of those big men yep. that really knew how to work the crowd and really knew how to get in the ring and really knew how to work. And you guys have heard on, on podcasts before that I have always been a very large fan of the large guys that are in there doing work from yep. Bam Bam Bigelow to Vader to Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Um, what always got me with, with Jim the Anvil Neidhart was, as Rick said, the infectious laugh that yep. he always, always had in any promo that he did, but also his beard grab. <laughs> that pointy yep. beard that he had, yep. I tried doing that for a while. I would, I, I as well just always would be kind of grabbing at my beard just like Jim the Anvil Neidhart did, and it was just something that for myself was a little bit of a... This is my homage to a man that I watched growing up that, you know, I had a super amount of respect for and sad day. Yeah, it's um, it's been a rough year for, for losing some of our, our old favorites here, but especially you know, recently, especially yeah. recently. Yeah. Well, one of the great things, too, with him, you know, with the characters like like Nightheart, you know, it's it's an arc that's really lost today. We're doing less is more. I mean, he could get in there, he gives you the laugh, he, he strokes the beard and throws a couple shoulder blocks, and he's over like crazy. Yeah. yeah. I know he's not out there killing himself. Uh, he just knew how to work the, you know, work the audience, as you're saying. And, uh, I, another, another great one gone. That's and a- he did know how to throw those shoulder blocks. A lot of people, yeah. he was a legendary power lifter before yeah. he got into wrestling. And, and they said when, kind of like Dr. Death Steve Williams, when he lifted you for a slam, you were going. There was no, uh, you didn't have to worry about volunteering. So uh, uh, kudos to uh, Nia Hart for his career. Mm-hmm. Sorry to see him gone. And, and I think Carl touched on it right. He played that big man off the little man role, good or better than anybody in history of wrestling, part of that Hart Foundation tag team. Yeah, and Rick made a really good point there with, um, I almost kind of lost my train of thought here, but uh, with um, oh, what, what you said here, um, with less is more. With less is more, yes, because we're going to actually, you know, almost to kind of segue into talking about SummerSlam, you know, with some of these programs going on, some of these matchups of WWE trying to do a little too much here, you know, and like we said with with Anvil, I mean, definitely less was more, you know, and you, uh, just his presence alone made you believe it enough. To kind of go from that, we're going to go into 
the main reason why we're here to talk about SummerSlam this year. But before we start breaking down the matches, just kind of in general here, we'll start with uh, with you, Rick. Are you feeling SummerSlam at all this year? Well, you know, we, we kind of go from what is what was supposed to be kind of a, a, you know, a depressing part of the show, but you know, really is a celebration of the times in life of of Mr. Nightheart. But mm-hmm. now, now we're going to transition into something I think is very dis- depressing, and that has been the build here to SummerSlam. Actually, yesterday over, uh, Jarko and I were recording a show for the Hobby Media Group, and usually we close out our Monday episode by uh, doing a preview of of what's to be that week in WWE, and he said, do you want to start on the SummerSlam hype? And I had said, I said, man, do you really want to, we have to talk about that this week, can we just wait till next week? I thought we had two (laughs) weeks until this thing. I know, right? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) That's how much I've kind of been removed from it. But then as I was sitting here prepping for this show, I started thinking, like, what was it that really turned me off into this build here? And I think it goes back to how they handled, and this, this is not a knock on any of the talent. I think the other talent, uh, they did an amazing job with what they were given. But how they marketed it and, and booked the show where they were highlighting Rousey's first Raw match was mm. completely turned me off, just how they handled that situation. So I think I just subconsciously removed myself from WWE, but... You know, this, and let's say that's not a knock against any of the talents because actually, as I said, I was prepping here. This this show looks great on paper. Oh, absolutely, and I, I think uh, your co-host Jargo, I think, referred to it as paper slam, and it, yes, very, very much I would agree with that sentiment. It, it looks great on paper, but I mean. To go along with what you said, uh, before we started recording, I went through WWE's Facebook page, and I have to scroll down to about 20-something posts before I see something promoting SummerSlam. They're, 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 they're barely promoting this as, as one of their, supposedly one of their big four main events for the year. And I think that's, that's part of the issue as well, is that, I mean, in, in past years, we've had, like, the SummerSlam access, and, you yeah. know, they, they, this big hype that they do with WrestleMania, they've been doing with SummerSlam as well. You got all the VIP meet and greets, you've got the, you know, the different events and the different stuff that's going to be happening during SummerSlam week, and really, I haven't seen anything having to do with that. I, honestly, I don't even know if they're doing anything for SummerSlam when it comes to like an access or no or any type of meet and greets before or anything like that. I mean, breakfast for the kids with, you know, superstars or anything like that. I've seen absolutely nothing. And I mean, kind of like what Rick said there, I thought we had more time as well. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm going, okay, I haven't seen any buildup for SummerSlam as of yet. What's going on? What's happening? What I, I had to look up. When is SummerSlam? <laughs> it was. It was like, oh, uh, what? Bad. What well, if, if you if you go watch any WWE programming this time of year, I think what's really hurting SummerSlam is they're just kind of, you know, they're just relying on. Hey, everyone knows this is the the summer blockbuster for WWE. They're they're going to show up a mess. We've already got the tickets sold. But you know, if you watch any programming right now, Evolution's getting four times more mention. Then SummerSlam, and you know that's still we're months out from that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you know, on top of that, you're, we're going to start hearing more about the Australian Super Show. Yep. Uh, so it's just they, they're kind of just spreading themselves so thin with these marquee events that they're really, really just trying to overhype right now. What about you, I Ryan? Think, I think running on fumes is probably the best way that yeah. I would put it. And and honestly, if you look at the weekly programming, <clears throat> like you guys said, it looks like a great show on paper, and it's a good thing because they've done nothing on television. To, to add to any of the intrigue in the weeks leading up to it, the build has not only not been, it, it's non-existent. I mean, and, and you know, if you're not going to give me a reason to get excited about the pay-per-view, 
then I'll just take the rest of the month off and just watch the pay-per-view. As a very famous champion once said, why would I watch the show? Because honestly, you don't have much reason to. If you know that that Sunday, this is where it's all going to go down, because really nothing exciting happens on Raw. And, and very little exciting has been happening on SmackDown unless you get an AJ Styles match. Uh, the wrestling matches are basically the same formula on the show, and they don't advance the storylines. It's like, we've got Roman and Brock, so tune in. And that's kind of where they've left it, as far as I'm concerned. And, and Ronda. Ronda and Brock yep. and Roman are the three selling points to this show, and they've been the same selling points for the last four pay-per-views, mm-hmm. basically, since, since WrestleMania. Well... Let's get into it. Let's go with the first match from what I'm seeing. Uh, that uh, looks like is going to be the pre-show match. And we have Rusev and Lana against Almas and Zelina Vega. I'll start off with myself. You know, obviously, Rusev and Almas, I mean, uh, in a singles match, I, w- I would love to just kind of see that. You know, Zelina is a great worker. If you have a chance, go watch some of uh, her work. But Lana, I think, is the the one that I have the issue with. I think that, you know, going from being Russo's manager now to diving headfirst into to the wrestling and, quite frankly, from my personal opinion, isn't very good at it. Oh, yeah, Joe. I'll say, Joe, you know, Rick here. Uh, I have to completely agree with you. Lana is one of the talents in in this podcasting game. Right? You know, one of the number one rules is that we always have to show because, you know, we're not – from that inside, you know, we haven't taken all those bumps. We haven't worked no. on the inside, uh, you know, to a certain extent. So we always want to show respect to those talents. So we have to approach, you know, from different angles here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lana is one of those exceptions. We just come out and say that she should not be working in that ring. Uh, you know, she's fantastic in that heel manager role. Yes. But, man, there is just something that seriously that she just – and she has, you know, a great athletic background. She just can't make that connection to, you know, how to you know, present herself or uh, handle herself within the ring. I would. I agree with you. I would have loved to have seen a one-on-one, and if you have to get the ladies involved, mm-hmm. try to get that early crowd excitement by having a great spot in that match. Where I know it wouldn't be exactly the, the same enthusiasm, but you know, a bit like an old ECW cat fight in the middle of the ring, where those mm-hmm. two just end up in there going at you. Obviously, we can't have Joey Styles going crazy with cat fight, cat fight, cat fight. <laughs> uh, but you know, something that just give, just let them get a little spot where they mix it up instead of having you know to actually get in there and work in. And let's be honest, are WWE mixed tag matches all that entertaining? Uh, it's typically with not. the structure and the rule that they have there. It's so hard to pull off an entertaining match. I will back up what Rick says. I don't think that she's very good in the ring. I also don't really think she ever wanted to be in the ring. I think that's something they pushed on on her because it, they've always had it. There's always little things that it seems like they're always kind of screwing with with those two. And I, and I think kind of forcing her to be a wrestler is part of that. I don't sense that she really wants to pursue that i think she'd rather just be out there by her husband having said that i i, I think almas and and zelina are going to go over because apparently they have a real obsession with almas mm-hmm. and rusev can't ever catch a break yeah. i think that they'll win the match but i agree i, I would r- much rather just to see this be one-on-one and i hope it does blossom out of this into a one-on-one program with these two uh you know going into the fall yeah, for sure. What about you, Tom? Hopefully Dude, that's exactly what's going to happen is that it's going to turn into at some point a one-on-one between the two of them going into the fall, like you say there. How, how do you guys see English playing into this? I mean, he's kind of that wild card there where they could have an out to kind of prolong this thing. Or... Yeah, 
I mean, I, I honestly, I, I I don't know. And I mean, just with 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 this being also like on on the pre show, it feels like maybe even WWE's kind of given up on this program. I think with with Aiden English there, I mean, this this could be a good opportunity to give us at least us four what we want. At some point, we're gonna we're gonna have to have you know Lana and uh, Selena in the ring together. Um, have Aiden English kind of come in and maybe do something. The two of them get ticked off with him and start, you know, kind of turning towards him. He takes off into the back. The two of them go into the back. Then we're left with our one-on-one matchup between these two. Yeah, it's only for scenario. the end for the women to come back out, do some little spot, and you know, show uh, or not show over, but match over at least, right? Yeah, that's, Possibly. That's yeah. one way to approach it. I think we're in agreement. Aiden will be involved in this match. And and if he costs Rusev and Lana the match, that allows them to save face and still give Almas the win. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think Aiden English will be probably the reason Almas and Zelina get the win so they can keep keep the steam on them and, and Rusev and Lana don't really lose a lot by losing that match. Uh, I, I kind of like, like, like what Carl pitched there. Yeah, I, the – what I'm imagining is kind of, you know, Lana maybe takes a, that bump off the ring where yeah. she like tweaks her knee and Aiden comes out and carries her back. And it, it takes me back to when Hogan came out and carried away Elizabeth and Macho yes. Man sitting there like, what are you doing, dude? That's my girl. Where are you going with her? And that provides a distraction and almost can get to, you know, pick up the victory. And now we've kind of, you know, we're, we're di- diving a little bit deeper into this triangle between English and, and Rusev Day and, and Lana is number one. I like that that approach. So I think uh, I think we're kind of almost unanimous. I think uh, Almas and Vega over on Rusev and Lana. Yeah, I think so. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now the next are kind of in no particular order. I, I mean, I would imagine that this is probably going to be the list of uh, of how it's going to be booked, but uh, remains to be seen. Sometimes WWE likes to pull some shenanigans with the way they order their matches. But the first one I'm seeing here is Finn Balor versus the Constable. Baron Corbin. Meh. I think that. Oh, I, I'll I'll jump in on this one. I think right. for some reason they've got an obsession now also with Corbin, and it's pretty obvious to me. Balor is in that same. He's riding in the same boat as Rusev. You know the what the one that's on the really rocky waters all the time mm-hmm. that you don't know where he's going. So I think Corbin gets his win back and he beats Balor. I, and it's a match I have absolutely no for a guy who was excited about Finn Balor coming in WWE. He has absolutely nothing going for him, no momentum whatsoever. Do not care about either one of these guys right now. Yep. And the company, again, in the buildup, has done nothing to make it intriguing to me. I, I see Corbin getting the win and me getting something to eat probably during that match. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that this is going to be? Um, I, I, I've, I don't think I've worded it this way for a long time on the podcast. Could this potentially be the piss break match? Uh, you know, looking at the lineup, it, it's right up there in the running. Uh, running for, you know, it's the easy time to take the time out. Uh, this program kind of lost me when and it's when it goes like to the, the childish jokes. You know, when they brought in the little play set yep. is when this thing re- I got turned off to it. Yep. Uh, but you know, as my, in my partner Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling podcast, Michael Charter, he's real big in the stats. Now, I don't know if you guys know this one, man. It, this is pretty incredible. You know, Balor only has I, I want to say like five wins all year. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and the, and the guy is still, he's, you know, insanely popular. He's still moving merch, but they just don't know really what they have or what direction to go with him from a management or a creative standpoint. Uh, I'm not a real big fan of his. Uh, he's a little, 
a two on the small side for me. But yeah. but there's ways you can work around that. I mean, what's when's the last time we even heard mention of you know him having a need for the demon? Not saying that that Baron Corbin is by any stretch of the imagination a, a need to revisit the demon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's almost like we completely abandoned that aspect with him. Uh, then you know they had they were going to start pushing you know Balor clubs for everyone. They if you if you like that direction or not. You know, they just abandon things with him. It's just they get something going, and then it abruptly gets dropped. I was a big fan of that NXT, that whenever you had Finn Balor during the week-to-week shows, and when it came to pay-per-view time, or I don't even know if you can really call them pay-per-views, when it came to, to the big events, that's when the Demon came out. And I, I loved that, that that approach to that, and it's, it came out of the main roster, and it, and it was there for a little bit of time. And then that was just like you said, Rick, kind of almost like forgotten. And I think you know maybe maybe part of that is why just it's I don't know I'm just not feeling this match either, and it's upsetting because I was a I loved Finn Balor in NXT, and when he won that Universal Title, my I was optimistic, and then you know the injury, and then it seemed like after that it was just like I won't say that he's been buried necessarily, but he's almost kind of lost in the shuffle at this point. It almost seems as though that, I mean, honestly, if you let Finn Balor be Finn Balor, Mm -hmm. he is going to put on an entertaining show for you each and every time that he steps into the ring. But it it, kind of seems as though WWE has kind of put roadblocks in front of him and are kind of saying, well, no, you can't do this. Uh, You have to you have to do this that we're giving to you. And yeah, oh, it's been two weeks. Okay, no, we're going to scrap that. Uh, Let's try something else, Um, you know, and then give it another three weeks and then go, uh, well, you know, it's I don't know, it's just not working out. Let's, uh, let's, let's try something else. And, you know, I think they're really not giving him the opportunity to really take what they're giving him and work it into a Finn Balor type of persona or, or way of Finn Balor doing things. And really everything is getting lost in the shuffle when it comes to Finn Balor, unfortunately. And, you know, and just match wise, I mean, stakes or what's on the line there, there is nothing really to be gained or lost with this match either. You know, it's um, with Lana or with, uh, sorry, with Rusev and, and almost. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a little bit kind of on the line. Well, not really, but with, with Corbin and Finn, it's, just, it's like one of those, it's, it's a, big pay-per-view match, SummerSlam, and there's virtually no payoff regardless of who wins. Well said. I, agree. Well said. I, I think I was going to say, I, I think the difference is you have actually have intriguing characters in the other match where yeah. the, the characters of Corbin and Balor right now are so stale and flat, yeah. and we know we're going to get the same formula match. We're going to get Baron sliding around the, yep. the corner you know, post, and, and we're going to get the double stomp, which is, in my mind, one of the dumbest moves and finishing moves in wrestling. But, I mean, you know, the drop zone thing and all that, and it's going to be the same match we've seen already. I, I just think it's a, it's a stinker of a match and, and bad bad build up to it. Yeah, and I think uh, with, with Corbin getting the win, I think that's a pretty safe bet. I think, I don't know if we're all in agreement on that, but that's how I see it kind of playing out. Yeah. So... Next up, we have the Cruiserweight title match with Cedric Alexander versus Drew Gulak. Is this going to be on the main card, or could this be? Could they do like a double pre-show type thing with with these guys? I think it's. I think it's going to be on the main card. hundred yeah. percent. Uh, I think it's. It's probably going to be the curtain jerker on the main card. Gulak twenty twenty. Let him be president of the United States of America. <laughs> I, I'd be down for it. I'd be down. No fly zone. I. I get it. I get it. 
Honestly, I would love to see Drew Gulak go over in this match and become the cruiserweight champion and hold it. I, he doesn't even have to hold it for a very long time. But I, I think from what I've seen from when he came in to now, I think he, he really not not so much that he deserves it, but I think he could do good things with that cruiserweight belt. Absolutely. He's one of those guys that I don't think that people know how good Drew Gulak is. And uh, go back and watch some of his pre WWE stuff, and you'll see what I am talking about. Yes, same as Cedric. Al- Excuse me, Cedric Alexander. Yeah, I have to. I have to admit, like I, I am not like a a, a weekly two hundred five guy. It's more binge watching. Yeah. So I've kind of brought myself up to speed on this program just by you know going over YouTube and getting the highlight pack packages from it. Uh, but you know, the show as a whole, what I am seeing from it, man, they they have really turned for two hundred five. Uh, it is, it's some exciting action, especially if, you know, if you are into that style, but with a guy like Drew, you know, I, I'm more, I gravitate more towards him because I like that he's a little bit of the anti-style there. And he, you know, he's got a little bit more of that character. And I think that's, you know, it's, it's time for a change where we have someone, you know, not so much where it's like an Enzo where you rely all on character, uh, yeah. but with someone with like Drew, you get a nice bounce, someone that can actually perform in the room. And is going to give you, you know, one of those classic pro wrestling, you know, superstar characters. How, how do you see this one panning out, Ryan? I think that uh, I'm going to agree with you. And I think especially if it does open the show, I think that Gulak will win the title. I think they'd like that little shocker right off the bat. A lot of people don't yeah. pay attention to the cruiserweight division. So to see a title change, they're like, hey, we just saw a title change. Nice little warm up to the rest of the action. Joe. You know, if, if this thing's going on, if you're if they end up closing the show with Roman and Brock, which is highly likely, and you've got that cruiserweight match slotted right before that match, people know what's coming. They're already going to be kind of, uh, you know, upset. They're going to have that bad taste in their mouth knowing that Roman's going to close again. And they might, in turn, you know, just dump on this match. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting where they slot this thing. Yeah. You want to get people excited and give them that big surprise. They're like, oh, you know, maybe we should. Because I think a lot of people have almost forgotten about it. Uh, so you want to spark that interest again. Like, you know what? This Tuesday, these guys went out, performed great. That was a, a, one of the highlights of the show. We need to we need to reinvest in 205. Because right. either way, they're going to look great. I think we got the cruiserweight match down. Yeah, I think yeah. that uh, we're pretty much in, in agreement that um, it'd be nice to see that surprise to kind of kick the show off with the title change, right? Yes. I agree, yeah. I think, I think that would be opening the show. Hopefully they get to... Be the curtain jerkers for this huge card, and they get a lot of, of new eyeballs on the product, the mm-hmm. cruiserweight product. And and like like I'm saying, I, I think Gulak wins. I think I think they're prime for a title change, and I think doing it on this big stage would be the perfect spot. All right. So next up, we have uh, one that uh, I'm probably going to rant on a little bit to, to kind of get this going here, and this is Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. Now. In my opinion here, I think WWE has done way, way too much with this. You have two guys that have been waiting to get at each other for, what, eight-plus years now? And Mm. you have this deal where all you had to do was have, and I'm I'm quoting almost directly Jargo from the Hidden Marks podcast here, all you had to do was have Daniel say, Miz, I am coming to punch you in the face. But they've done way too much of this. And you've if even had Daniel, the supposed babyface, attack The Miz in very much a heel style. They, they are doing things completely backwards when they basically had this whole feud handed to them on a platter. And WWE, in my opinion, has managed to mess this up before the matches even happened. 
They definitely have messed it up totally. Um, yeah, you're right. Just the way that they went about everything was just so ass backwards. Mm-hmm. And, and I know we try not to not to you know use a cuss word and stuff on <laughs> on our podcast, but ass backwards is is about the only way that I can really talk about this right now. Yep. Um, I really don't know why, or it, it might have something to do with the Miz and having him being gone for a bit, you know, shooting and filming uh, Miz and Mrs. Um, I, I mean, I, I really don't know. I think that they, they really could have capitalized on this had the Miz not gone out to do this uh, television program for, I believe, the E network that they're doing it for. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Because of that, and, and I'm sure the show is going to be great. I'm sure, you know, it's it's The Miz. The Miz can, I, personally, I like The Miz. I think he can do great at anything that he does. Yeah. And I think that show is really going to be a great show. But they should have just allowed him to go out and just do the show and not really be in any type of, of card or any type of feud or anything like that. Daniel Bryan can go out there and work with absolutely anybody and make it a five-star showing. Mm-hmm. So I really think that they could have done things differently and not gone in this direction and had Daniel Bryan with somebody else. I think the only only reason they've rushed this angle is they actually believe that he's leaving, that, that Daniel Bryan might be leaving. I keep hearing that he's re-signed, he hasn't signed, whatever. I don't, I don't think that he's on paper to mm-hmm. going forward, and part of me really believes that he wants out to yeah. do some of his own things and and have some freedom. So I, my guess, I seen the house show in Carbondale uh, in Illinois, and he beat him clean. He tapped out the Miz clean. A lot of times those matches are are, are a little bit of a rehearsal for what's going to happen on the pay-per-view. Yeah. But I will say this. If the Miz goes over, I think it means that Daniel Bryan is leaving the company. However, having said that, um, I, think, I, think that I think cooler heads are going to prevail on the whole thing, and money is – is gonna is always gonna answer the question for everybody. So I'm gonna say Daniel Bryan wins this match, but I do agree that this angle they have botched this completely for something that, as you guys said, it was basically they could have put the pot of water on the stove and just let it boil. Yep. But they just didn't leave it alone. Ryan, uh, to kind of you know, speak to the contract issue. It, it sounds like you know it's all they got everything put in place. You know, it's just crossing some T's, dotting some I's. I guess they're having trouble, you know, coming to a common a common ground on the dates. You know, yeah, Brian, appearances. Yeah, Brian's had this this nice schedule where he hasn't been on that road, and now with the young family, you know, he still wants to be, you know, to be home and be a father. Uh, and if you know, if I'm kind of I'm WWE, you kind of look at the long term investment and Brian's, you know, the injuries and the history that we've had there. I would want to pull him back a little bit. So that I can have him around for the well, longer for those bigger moments, but I also see there, they don't. There is not a lot attracting people to their live events, and Daniel Bryan is one of the true superstars in the company that people will want to go see. Uh, so from that standpoint, you you pull him away from you know a, a live tour, and you've already got your other big names on that show, like a, like a Randy Orton and a Jeff Hardy, who are also true superstars that people go see and they're all working part-time kind of schedules. You got to really get a, a fine balance or maybe move one of them away from SmackDown where, you know, Raw tends to have more of how WCW or WWE sees it with their star power. But the, the match itself, guys, I'm going to have a little bit of a, a different take here. I don't think it's been completely botched, 
I, I really like how they've handled the Miz here. That now that they, now that Daniel Bryan is back, he is able to compete. You know, the only thing we always we heard Bryan say, and Jargo's mentioned this before. You know, it was a very simple line. It was, you know what, Miz, one day I'm going to come back and I'm just going to punch you in the face. Yep. So at this point, Miz should be running around trying to avoid. I love that he hasn't been at the arena. He's blowing off Daniel Bryan. You know what? I, I'm on set. I'm on location. I've got bigger things to worry about than Daniel Bryan. I shouldn't even be – we shouldn't even be talking about this match because Miz, you know, in the Miz's mindset, he's been saying, I deserve a bigger match. I should be in the main event for the WWE Championship. And I, you want me to waste my time on a, a wash-up like Daniel Bryan? I love that aspect of it, but how they portrayed Bryan here. And Bryan just should have been very simple. Each, each and every week. Miz, you can run, you can hide, you can do whatever you want, but eventually you're going to have to come to this ring and I'm just I'm going to punch you in the face and I'm going to attack you out. I'm going to embarrass you. I'm going to expose you for, for the fraud you are. That should have been very simplistic storytelling there. Uh, the, his, the reality show, it, it, is, it is tremendous. Uh, there are three episodes in. It's on USA after SmackDown. It is, it is great entertainment. You also could have worked into this story, though. That the whole season's in the that's already in the can. Yeah, they haven't renewed it for a season two, so they're not recording anything. So Daniel Bryan could have called him out, like, yeah. "Wait a minute, you're on location, Miz. What are you recording? It's already that been filmed. You're you're just a coward. You won't come face me." Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm sure that you know the, the match itself, you know, is going to be great, and I just uh, hopefully you know, we're going to see a lot of the psychology happening inside of the ring to kind of. You know, like you said, you know, it hasn't totally been, been, you know, messed up, you know, just hopefully that, um, you know, this just ends up being something that that's going to be a positive. That's what, you know, as Ryan said, the outcome (laughs) of this match is going to be very telling. It is uh, about the direction we're going to see from Daniel Bryan going forward. Yep, absolutely. I'll make, I'll make a, I'll look in my crystal ball and make a prediction based on what I saw two weeks ago. There'll be a spot in the match where the Miz tries to run away. Daniel goes and gets him, brings it back in and taps him out. I've seen that somewhere before, and why do I have a feeling it's the same formula at SummerSlam? I think I think he's going to win. He wouldn't be winning on the house shows if he wasn't. Now, that's a spoiler, I guess, I can give away because it's already on paper everywhere else. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, most of what I've seen at house shows leading up to a pay-per-view is the dress rehearsal for what's going to happen on the pay-per-view. And it was the similar similar to the Shinsuke uh, match with, with AJ in Saudi Arabia. I mean, it was, it, all, the, all the matches that I've seen – uh, or that I've heard about on house shows seems to play out pretty similar on the pay-per-views. So I'm going to go with Daniel on this one. Yeah, I I, I think that I'm going to go a little bit different. I, I'm going to say that the Miz gets over on Daniel, and I think it's uh, we're going to see, you know, we'll see kind of it'll be up in the air, and it'll add some to suspense to see what's going to happen with Daniel going forward. So next up, we have a tag team match. We have the Bludgeon Brothers. And the new day. Anybody feel like pancakes? Oh, I, I am like so. T- the pancakes are so, going to get squashed. I think. I don't. <laughs> I, think I am so. Bad. I am so turned off on pancakes. I've actually started boycotting IHOP <laughs> uh, because I am just so fed up with the new day act. Uh, but you know, this you know, this is when we were talking. To, this card looks great on paper. This one really doesn't do a whole lot for me. Look, you know, just looking at it here. Uh, but I guess you know, this could be one of those great surprises. I, I hope that we. And I think so many people have been out there just, you know, wanting and talking about this for a while. Mm-hmm. I hope this that, you know, with the Bludgeon Brothers Act and how, you know, just vicious they are, that it brings out more of a serious side in New Day, especially in Big E. 
Absolutely. Because, I mean, there's a guy, you know, we started off the show talking about big guys moving in the, in the ring. Here's a guy that, I mean, he's just like a cannonball to the inside, to the outside. I mean, just he puts his body in the line, and he's entertaining to watch when he's on his game. Big E has always been a great big guy in the ring, and it's for a little bit... I was kind of cool with the New Day thing happening. It was something mm. different. It was catchy. It was, you know, kind of childish, which kind of brought out the the inner child in me, right? I'm yep. like, yeah, this is the New Day. This is awesome. This is really good. And now it's really just become very stale. Mm-hmm. And it just seems as though it's the same thing over and over again that's really happening. And I think for all three of the talents in the New Day, they're, they can do so much more outside of the actual New Day faction that they have. And yeah, yeah, I mean, Bludgeon Brothers all the way for this. They're really pushing them. They're really moving with them. They're, they're, they've come into their own with this whole character of the Bludgeon Brothers, you know, coming from, you know, Wyatt family to into their own with Bludgeon Brothers. And like, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm loving what they're doing with Bludgeon Brothers. I'm loving that the direction they're going and the whole aspect of it. I see them going over. Let me throw something out here to all you guys. And this might sound a little ridiculous, but just bear with me. Are the new day or are they due for a dunk in the lake of reincarnation? And what could happen out of that? (laughs) (laughs) I think they're ready to drop the, you know, it's odd because I, I, when we saw that Brian Christopher passed away Mm. and I went back and watched some video and I, I watched too cool the Rikishi and thought that kind of got, to the point where New Day is right now. I mean, obviously, they didn't have the same success New Day has had as a team, but it got to the point that the laughing and joking and the dancing and everything else, it, oh, man, it was so cool, and man, it was so cool, and man, it was so cool, and a hundred times later, it's not cool anymore. And and honestly, and that's not a shot at anybody that's passed away or anything like that. No. Uh, I'm saying that those acts after a while, yeah, they're fun in wrestling, and you have to have fun stuff like that in wrestling, but after a while, it's time to get serious. And especially, as Carl said, a guy like Big E, he's wasting some of his prime years right now when he should be right there as a single in that main event mix. Absolutely. I I don't think I could have said it better myself. Well, it's kind of, we were talking about a a dip in the lake. Uh, Are you guys (laughs) surprised that they they chose to give the SmackDown tag division the nod on this card? Because it looks like, uh, I mean, we're recording early Monday. We're going to know the results of this by the time the show airs, but... Mm -hmm. They're doing the Raw championship match on Raw. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, obviously, we're all looking at the card here, and there's some talents missing, and uh, a couple of tag team titles missing from this lineup. I, I think it's kind of, it, I think it just speaks to the state of both tag divisions. Because yeah. all around tag team wrestling and WWE, well, outside of NXT, where it, it's still you know, obviously the hottest tag division they have, but for the red and blue brands, these tag divisions are just pitiful. It really is. I think, you know, like you had said, just the, the tag team wrestling just right now in that ma- in that main roster, it's just on both sides. It's just, it's, you know, I see matchups, you know, you know like we said at the beginning, that, that should that look really good on paper. And in reality, it's just like, it's just not feeling the tag team wrestling these days. There's definitely, there's no kind of heart foundation kind of thing going on right now, <laughs> in my, my opinion. Yeah. So next up we have, before we take a little bit of a break here, we're going to talk about the next one that we got here. We have Shinsuke Nakamura versus Jeff Hardy for the United States Championship. I just first off want to say that I am so happy that finally Shinsuke Nakamura has learned to understand English Hmm. and learned to speak (laughs) English. 
Like, it's, it's almost like a miracle that this happened. Finally. He's speaking English. He's still not great at it. No. no. <laughs> I mean, this, this match could really go anyway. Um, I mean, both of them are, are, are really good talents in the ring. Uh, I like the work from both of them. I really do. Yeah. It's hard to really choose between the two as to who could go over in this match. I don't mind Shinsuke Nakamura as the U.S. champ. I don't mind Jeff Hardy as the U.S. champ. Mm-hmm. My concern is what's Jeff Hardy going to do to mess up this title run uh again whether it be legal or what have you um i think we're gonna see shinsuke keep the title uh but either way i'm okay with whatever the result is what i'm wondering with this so is if are we gonna see you know are they gonna let these guys go out and do and put on some spectacular things are they gonna go the the w safe approach to where let's let's have a really good match but let's try not and hurt each other well, that's what I was going to bring up. I think Jeff's due to go away for a while because he he's got some nagging injury. So does his brother. I think the goal is going to be eventually to take him away and bring them back together. Um, and so I, I think Nakamura's going over, and, and I think Hardy's going to go for away, away for a while, not because of any legal problems, but you never know. Uh, but I have been hearing a lot, of, a lot of rumors that he's pretty much as banged up as Matt is. So they may take both of them off TV for a while and try to repackage them. You never know. Yeah, I think they just wanted... They just wanted Jeff Hardy to, to just maybe to get through this big summer event. Uh, then it's going to be time for him to just kind of fade away for a little bit. He's going to go rest up. You know, on the other side, that Matt, some of his tweets lately, it sounds like he might be the point where he has to hang it up. Uh, so, you know, what really is the shelf life you know, for the Hardy boys? And if you're WWE, you want to make sure that you're, you're really capitalizing on that marketing and that merch for them uh, to get one good final run before, you know, they, that they maybe have to completely hang it up. I think again. Do we think there's there is there a possibility we get Orton added to this thing, or is he gonna is he gonna? No, I don't think so now. Not after the news that's been coming out over the weekend. I, 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 well, I wanted to throw that out there. We we've got Randy's kind of uh, he's under the microscope now. WWE seemed to put it. They're pushing it to a back burner, but they probably don't want to focus on him. Yeah, and I'm just hoping too that you know we don't end up with uh, how did uh, Paige put it. I hope we don't end up with a low blow confrontation here yeah. to where the match starts off with, okay, I'm going to punch you in the balls. Yeah. And then that starts it all off because they, they've done that shtick just way, way too many times with uh, Shinsuke and AJ, and I don't want to see that again happen with, with Jeff Hardy in this, especially on a, on a big event. All right. I think we're going to take a little bit of a break here, and I'm going to play something a little bit cool here. Uh, me and Jargo had a chance to sit down and chat here, so here we go with our a little break uh, piece here. Here we go. And now, Big Joe of the JNK Podcast and Jargo of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast join forces to talk about Roman Reigns. I've been, I've been trying for, Carl and I have been trying so long, episode, and it comes up like every second of their episode. It's like trying to figure out this whole deal. We'll throw in it. And really, I don't think that Roman himself is the problem. I think it's WWE forcing him down everybody's throat when, you know, they want to cheer for somebody else. I think what it is. Roman Reigns doesn't buy in. Yeah. Roman Reigns, he strikes me as a guy who he's out there providing for his family. Yep. I like. I, I think Joe's probably a really nice guy. Yep. And he he never wanted to be a pro wrestler. He wanted to be a professional football player. Yeah. And and I think the problem is he's just doing this because he can't do that. But he can't do anything too stupid that his football buddies are going to look at him and be like. <laughs> You're a joke, man. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> too good. Evil mother for Joe. That's too good. 
Do you even get that reference? I'm an evil motherfucker, Joe. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to find that and send it to you. All right, so there we go. I had a chance to sit down with your co-host there, Rick, and uh, have a little uh, fun and, and try and figure out this whole Skype uh, kind of deal because we had some uh, audio issues going on with this. So, well, we got hey, you got uh, that's like the we had two minutes there where he hasn't dropped like eight f bombs. So uh, good for you. You're <laughs> one to talk, by the way. I wouldn't. I, I, I we've all talked about on the now, not to segue away from anything, but all, all the shows they have their own personality, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, the the guys in the Midwest are. Uh, they, they're certainly, I guess the word I would use is unfiltered. Unfiltered. <laughs> that, that's, you know, every, you know, each and every week, you know, it, it's, it's on my list. J and K, it's one of my favorite shows. But yeah, and I, I, the reason I kind of love it, you know, is you guys very professional in approach, kind of calm in your takes. And then when I listen back to Jargo and I, we're just sitting there like yelling at each other <laughs> the whole time. Well, there, there, there's you times can tell Canadians have a lot more manners than we yeah. do. <laughs> well, there, there's times where I've ranted, uh, you know, on uh, Roman Reigns or Nia Jax or you know a little bit with uh, with Daniel and Miz there. But uh, you know, there's been times if you if you go back and maybe try and find some of our old content before we became a podcast, and we were a little bit more unfiltered at that. Well, I th- you I think know, Ryan, was- Ryan and myself, we do work for. Uh, we contribute over at One Wrestling yes. Video for OneWrestling.com, uh, and that is a completely different game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you are PG, and you have to pretty, you have to stay pretty positive when, it, when you're talking about certain things. Yeah, see, I have a great Randy Orton joke today, but I can't tell it on this show. <laughs> oh, <so>. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do decide to, you could always put that joke onto the GorillaPosition.com, hey. where everybody can go and read up on some amazing articles that are done there. That site, again, is TheGorillaPosition.com. <laughs> Shameless plug. Thank you. Shameless. Cheap seat plug. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Let's keep trucking forward again through this card here. Next up, we have, again, we have Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental title. Again, I'm using the word again a couple times with this match. Again. Yeah, I think that, I, I think that uh, Seth, I, I actually think that um, Seth is going to go over, and I think we're going to get the big save from Dean Ambrose. That's my call. I'm throwing it out there as my wild prediction. I think he's going to neutralize drew and and i think that i think that seth's gonna win the title you read my mind i was gonna short and sweet sorry guys but yeah i wanted to get (laughs) that's that's my take on the match i think we're gonna see more of the same and the end result is the the big the big stunner of the night the big surprise of the night is the return of dean Ambrose. you you took the words right out of my mouth i was gonna be saying the exact same thing i had the exact same prediction Uh, i want to throw a little twist in there i I think at SummerSlam, we'll see the return of dean ambrose you know, he'll get the he'll give Rollins the assist to recapture that that championship. But then I think we're going to get another swerve, which will be kind of that big Raw moment the following night, where we're going to see Ambrose actually turn on Rollins mm. uh, to start a program between those two going into the fall. Uh, and then that gives you an easy transition to you know to get those guys away from Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, who those two can go can go off and do something else at that point. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I also think that resists the urge to then put the shield back together. I think the fans will be calling for the shield to reunite. Yeah. If you come right back that next night, either have him turn on or just challenge Rollins, then it takes that off the table. The fans aren't chanting for it. Uh, you can keep Roman away from those two also. I, I think that makes perfect sense, yeah. what Rick said. 100% it does. That's exactly the mindset that I was going with as well. This is the opportune time for Dean Ambrose to come back. Perfect opportunity for him to help Seth Rollins get that. And then the next day on Raw, you've got Dean Ambrose coming out going, you didn't win that. I won that for you. 
and now it's my turn. Let's see what you've got. And the two of them go into a program together. I mean, I, I can't add anything more. That's exactly what I had thought. So. And that's interesting because I think that's going to fit in nicely with my whole bigger p- picture prediction that's going to happen with this because it's going to involve our next match as well. And that is Kevin Owens versus Braun Strowman with the briefcase on the line, right? I believe so. That is correct. Okay. So, and, with, and with the stipulation that if Braun loses in any fashion, mm-hmm. then, then Kevin Owens acquires the possession of that, of that case. So let me, before, I mean, the Brock and Roman thing is coming up at the end here. Let me lay out the big picture that, that I see for this whole scenario. It's, it's involving at least three of these matches here. Like you had mentioned, Dean Ambrose coming in, and then you're going to have him turn on Seth the following night. Well, how I see everything else playing out is I see Kevin Owens winning the briefcase from Braun Strowman. Then in our in what could possibly be that main event, that last match with Roman versus Brock, I see Roman going over on Brock, and then I see Kevin Owens cashing in on Roman Reigns, and then I see Roman turning heel along with Dean Ambrose on Kevin Owens. And then that's going to create also that tension. We, you, instead of you know, instead of Seth Rollins versus the other two Shield members, now the roles are reversed. That's how I see this bigger picture kind of playing out with this whole scenario. I think Pretty you just spent way too much time on that. I know. I've been no. thinking about it for a while. <laughs> I have been. Uh, no, I mean, that's that's something that, that I honestly didn't even think of. Like, that's that's a, a, a really good way to, to go about things. Um, it peak people's interests, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to, like you said, incorporate like three of these matches that are there. Um, perfect opportunity for something like that to happen. Who knows? Things that we've talked about on the shows before have, you know, in two weeks' time happened on uh, WWE television. So. The, the, the WWE drones have been around us, I guarantee you. Yeah. I think I, I'm going to go, uh, although I, I would love that scenario, I don't think they're nearly as clever as Joe. And so I think, I think I'm going to say that I think during the match they'll tease over and over again that Braun might get disqualified, and then he will show that he's got the sense to not – cost himself the match and the briefcase and get the clean win. And I, I, I don't see them giving Owens the briefcase. I think this has all been to groom Braun as being he's he's maturing into that champion mentality and that he can't he can't lose his head. He can't he's got to be level headed if he wants to focus on the title. And I think they'll again tease that he's going to get disqualified or cost himself the match only to pull it out at the end clean. The thing I hope that they still do is this the obvious easy out where we have someone showing up in an El Generico mask and attacking Kevin Owens, <laughs> causing the automatic DQ. I mean, I mean, that's that's obviously that's the easiest out here for Kevin Owens. I mean, yep. it's, just get yourself DQ'd. Hopefully, they're that they're not going to go that route. But this is WWE creative, so uh, that's likely what we'll get. But you know, personally, I I would love to see you know really run with with Braun as that the true top baby that the fans seem to embrace more than Roman Reigns. Uh, I'd like to see Braun retain the case here. Uh, and another swerve later, uh, it it seems like, you know, Brock, he is leaving to prepare for his UFC fight, but he's going to be back. There's there's another contract on the table. He will return eventually. So let's, let's throw that swerve in there. I'd have Brock go over Roman. You know, he's sitting there celebrating. The fans are going to be on the edge of their seat waiting for it, and we hear the roar. Uh, here comes Braun Strowman. He comes out onto the stage, but he he's not 
you know, being the monster among men, he doesn't need the sneak attack cash in. He doesn't need to take on a guy when he's not at his best. You have Braun come out and say, you know, I, I could do this right now, but I'm a true man. I'm, I am the baddest man in this company. Brock, I know you're scheduled for Raw tomorrow night. I'm cashing in there. You, and then you've got 24 hours for a PR movement to get people that want to tune in to USA Network on Monday night. Because you're gonna, I believe by that time they're going to – I don't know if NFL starts running Monday night games next week or not. But, hey, you want to – hopefully they're not because this is that last big boom before mm-hmm. football returns to Monday. And it's going to take a huge chunk of your ratings. you got 24 hours to run with. We're going to have a – Brock Lesnar's going to – is going to wrestle on a Monday night on cable television against this this monster of a man. This is something that everybody's going to want to see. If you're a wrestling fan or not, or just a fan of combat sports, this thing is going to get real. Yeah, awesome. I think we all had kind of a different uh, kind of approach on that. I was curious to see how it was going to play I, out. I think so. Braun retains, but I got a different scenario for the main event. But I'm, I'm on the same wavelength with Rick. Mm-hmm. Now, next up we have... Something that uh, I was surprised that it kind of went this way, but you know, we'll see what uh, goes with this. We have Carmella versus Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair for hold, that. hold on, Kurt. I need to correct you there. Nope. And that is uh, that is my oh yes. That is RBV's <laughs> precious Char Char. Oh boy. So now, what are the odds? Because uh, I mean. You're a you're a, you're a Char Char fan. We'll, 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 I'll, I'll use that term. I'm, I'm a Becky Lynch fan. And is there? Do we have any Carmella fans in the house? No, well, we're getting crickets there. Huh? Okay, <laughs> so I, crickets. You know, I like. I mean, I like her. I, I think that she's got a great look, and I, obviously she she's great working as a heel. Like she's. I mean, people just don't like her. Period. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> as far as being the champion, no. I I thought this run. Maybe she would get that kind of heat. She would do the thing Alexa did where she sort of grew into that role, but she hasn't. It's time for a title switch. Any chance between the four of us here, any chance that Becky gets the title and finally gets some type of push? Well, I, I think, you know, Ryan was saying it's time for a title change. I would hold your breath there, Ryan. Uh, I think Carmella is going to walk out of this thing. But hmm. And, and I, I actually I have to be I have to be honest about this thing. I did not like adding Charlotte Flair to this match. No, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't really. I didn't think it was necessary. I would have used her in some other. I, I would even Charlotte could have sat out this sat out this show. I would have used her on some PR stuff, maybe on the panel. Let you know, let her work on some of the, her other skills. That, you know, just she get out there and help promote things like that. They didn't need her in this match, and adding her here. And now now the story that they're talking about where. You know, how are these two friends going to interact? Is Becky really overjealous that, that Charlotte is kind of, you know, taking some of this spotlight? Mm-hmm. Carmella has become really a, a, an afterthought here. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I think I think that Charlotte comes out with the title and a new attitude. And Becky is forced to be the baby face who changes her. I think they're due for Charlotte also to go back to being the classic flair heel. And, and I think that her pulling the swerve on Becky is what happens. She comes out as a heel th- from the match, and Becky is now more sympathetic than ever. So that when she finally beats her at the next big show, it's an even bigger pop. I, I and I think it, it works because you. I think you don't. You're not getting anything with Carmella as a heel right now. You put Charlotte in there, you got instant credibility on the heel side in that in that division. So I, I think that I think Charlotte, her being in this match serves a purpose for a lot of reasons. I think it elevates Becky in the long run. And it turns her heel again. I think she comes out with the title. Hmm. 
I have a, a different uh, take on this. I, I think uh, what's going to happen here, and, uh, and this is something I've been fearing that they're going to do, and I really hope that they don't, is that I think that you're going to get a situation where Becky's going to be in that pin situation with Carmella, and Charlotte is going to steal that away and then get the pin, and then you're going to see WWE try and do a heel run with Becky Lynch. That's that, what I, that would be a huge mistake on WWE yep, part. Th- that's how I see. That's how that. That's I think that is going to be the WWE approach. It's going to be the wacky creative angle, and that's going to mess her up even worse than they already have. Well, you know, like what Ryan was speaking to, because Becky, she is. I mean, she's just that true baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you really could have with these two for a great run would be going back. You, you've got the dirtiest player, the dirtiest female in the game, Charlotte Flair, you know, reminiscent of her father. And on the flip side of that, you know, Becky's playing the role of, of Ricky Steamboat. Yep. I mean, you can have that as your modern day female version and maybe you pay it off next year at WrestleMania, or maybe you give Becky a big moment where she's able to get over on Charlotte at evolution in a great moment for the women's marquee event. That would also be very cool as well. So uh, I think the WWE approach to this one is going to be that we're going to see Charlotte and Becky and they're going to be having uh, an amazing match that the two of them can really put on. Carmella is going to keep that title by doing a simple kick to the face and a roll up Mm -hmm. like we have seen her do so many times in the past. I think that's the way it's going to happen. Carmella is going to keep that belt. And it's going to be on a very crappy ending, uh, like we've seen from her before. And they're just going to run with her with the belt still. Any chance then that Mr. Ellsworth would then make an appearance? No, because he's not with the company right now. Mm, yeah, you never know. Pay, pay per appearance. They could fly him in. Yep. Well, I they think could. He's not, he's not too far away from there, I believe. Mm. But we'll see with that. I think, I think regardless, there's going to be some kind of shenanigans that happen there. So next up we have for the Raw Women's Championship, we have Alexa Bliss versus Ronda Rousey. I'm sad. In what way? Wow. It's Ronda Rousey. What are they going to do? They're going to put the belt on Ronda Rousey, which means that, you know, Rick's got his Shar Shar. Mm-hmm. I have my Lexi Lou Who, <laughs> right? Uh, I, since... Her in NXT, I have always had a huge infatuation with Alexa Bliss and seeing her with that title. I love it. Even when she loses it, I still love her. She wins it back not too long after, and I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I don't think I'm really going to love this because we're just going to see Ronda Rousey go out there, do some MMA stuff, and get the win and get the belt and... That's going to be it. It's not going to, I don't think it's going to be a very entertaining matchup to see. For me, my biggest kind of concern, and, you know, this kind of goes along with, with, with this past uh, Monday night as well, with Ronda against uh, Foxy. And my fear that uh, with, with Ronda and, and Alexa Bliss is that I think Ronda is just going to manhandle her. And, and I, I don't know, I hope that there's not any kind of injury because Ronda is actually kind of scary in the ring, to be perfectly honest with you. I think that um, at the end of the day, I think Carl's right. I, I think that I think Alexa, uh, she's in a position where she can be without the belt for a while. She's established so much now. It's almost like written in stone that Ronda's got to have that belt and probably carry it all the way into WrestleMania next year because mm-hmm. she's likely going to be the headliner. So uh, yeah, I think this is where she picks up the title and and I don't. I, I think it'll be a lot more competitive match than we saw against against uh, uh, Fox, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's going to go more than about ten minutes. 
I'm going to go a different direction uh, than, than you gentlemen. I don't think I don't think the time is right. I think there's much more money to be made in in Ronda chasing, uh, and Bliss is the the perfect the heel the villain uh, to you know to be in that role. I really love how you know Bliss is continually calling her and reminding everyone that when it comes to professional wrestling, that Ronda is indeed a rookie. Yeah, she might be the baddest woman on the planet. And when it's a, if it's coming down to a straight fight, you know, Bliss knows that she's not gonna, she's not gonna, by any stretch of imagination, win that thing. But this is the world of professional wrestling, and mind games and trickery come into play. And arguably, right now, when it comes to the ladies, there's no one better at those than than Alexa Bliss herself. I'd love to see her escape with this thing and just continue to run, run, run. Uh, and then it, it's one of those. It's an old traditional world of professional wrestling, and the baby chasing is a moneymaker uh, until you get that big payoff moment. The only the only reason I would hesitate to do that is we were just talking about on the other side. If you're going to have something where you know Charlotte's got that title as the heel and Becky's that big baby chasing, I, I don't like when the, the brands mirror themselves, mm-hmm. uh, which is also a reason that I don't really care for Carmella as a champ because her and Alexa Bliss are the same characters, and Alexa Bliss is so much better at that character. But I, I, I still think they're gonna they're gonna keep it away from Rousey, and I know a lot of people have been pitching it, and I'm expecting it. I think we see uh, Baszler get involved in this match. Ooh. Yeah, that could be interesting with um, with that MMA connection happening there. And, and I think you have a natural built-in story why Baszler would do do such a thing. You know, why would she turn on her sister, one of her best friends, a fellow horsewoman? It was, it's, a, it's an easy story. Baszler had to go through the Mae Young Classic. She had to go to NXT. She's actually a true fighting champion where Ronda just had this red carpet rolled out for her. Uh, and the company loves her. She's getting all the press and all this. And it's a little bit of a jealousy thing. Yeah, that could work too. I, I like that the approach of, of having uh, Ronda to ch- chase that title a bit than just throwing on her. I think a little too soon, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the, if you put it on her, though, I mean, who... If you're looking, I mean, unless you start moving people around on rosters, and I mean, and that's a stretch, mm-hmm. you know, really outside of, of Charlotte, of, you know, the ladies that are on the main roster, I mean, what do you do with her? I mean, where does she go if she's got the title? Yeah, I think that, uh, I think you, the possibilities, I think, are, are greater if we go with uh, the approach of, you know, keeping the title on Alexa and let Rhonda chase. I think, like you said, there's more money to be made in that scenario than the other way around. So, next up we have... You know what? I'm going to steal another line from, from your guys' podcast. We're going to have AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe for the first time ever in a WWE ring. Uh, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe for the first time ever <laughs> inside the WWE universe. Oh, did, did they really believe, think that uh, we're not aware that these guys have been going for, what, 15-plus years now? It, it's, it's really funny. You talk to some individuals that really all they know is WWE, and they're actually aware that these guys have had matches for you know a better part of a decade all around the world. But it's still in that diehard WWE fan's mind. This is the this is the one that that really matters. I, I was going to say I I think that we're seeing a lot of that play out now with WWE, where these company you know they they've been all over the world, and as we said, probably their greatest matches are well behind them. Same thing with Nakamura and Styles. But like Rick said, it. It's almost like, you know, um, if you've seen, and I, I make this comparison a lot, if you've seen it on Broadway, it's just really different to see it on the big screen. So, you know, Street Car Named Desire, 
you know, on Broadway is one way, but when you put it on the big screen, it just looks different. I think that's the same translation with, with these guys now is, well, let's see what they look like under the bright lights and in the big cities. And, and I guess that has an appeal to me. It all still comes down to what happens in the ring. I think it's going to be a good match, but I, I cannot see Samoa Joe getting the title right now. I can't see him taking the belt off AJ in the foreseeable future. What I'm kind of thinking here know. is, you know, and this kind of goes back with uh, Shinsuke and, and Jeff Hardy match as well, that uh, I'm just wondering with these two guys, are they going to let them go out there and, 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 and actually work? Or, uh, again, are we going to see this, let's go put a good match, but let's be careful not to hurt ourselves again. Yeah, I think that's it's, where it's gonna make the difference is gonna happen there. Yeah, and I and I can really see it. I mean, this seems to be the way that the WWE has been going about things right now. Is everything is re- very safe. Everybody needs to be safe when going out there into the ring. No, you know, no big spots. No doing, you know, crazy stuff. We need to make sure that every everything is safe. I don't think they really need to do that because these guys, especially AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, for the last. 15, 20 years have worked each other so much that you could put them into blindfolds and both of them would know exactly what's going on, exactly where they need to go, exactly what they need to do. And they would be able to communicate without even speaking, even with blindfolds on. (laughs) So just let the two of them go out there and do what they've done for the last, you know, 15 years in that ring together and put a good show on. Yeah, and the history that they have together is all the creative that you need for this program or for these two guys. You don't need to do anything else with it. No. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I wanted to ask you guys on that because we know these guys are going to be able to go out there and put on, you know, even in WWE standards, one hell of a match. It's, you know, this is probably going to be the match we're talking about uh, when SummerSlam is all said and done. But I, what, what did you guys really think about the build? You know, as Joe just mentioned, it was – you had a story naturally built in there, but then they have to take it off into this other direction about AJ being a bad dad and all this. I, it just completely missed the mark with the storytelling. I agree 100%. And, you know, with, with Joe, you just have to just let Joe be Joe, you know, and, you know, to, to try and get him to talk too much or any of this kind of business, he doesn't need to. You know, Joe does his talking in the ring. Yeah, I think Joe's gotten a lot better at cutting promos. I, he was never terrible. He's always been a, a pretty articulate speaker. But yeah. again, I don't, I don't understand the you know attacking AJ's credibility storyline. You don't need that. You've got two guys who can flat out go. They have a great history together. They went out and gotten video from GWN before. Go out and highlight some of those old matches. Stop, stop playing off of it being the first time in WWE and and say these guys. You know, I mean. Like, like I said, you can go out and get the footage now, apparently. Show it and make that part of the storyline instead of throwing in the personal family stuff. Uh, AJ's too good of a performer to have to be involved in stupid soap opera stuff. Well, and Ryan, they could have, like you said, like you mentioned earlier, they could have twisted that. Go get the footage, mention it. But, you know, but WWE, they, for their marketing rights, though, they want to seem like they're the biggest deal. You twist that. You're like, this has happened all over the world, but never before on a stage like this. Who's truly is the better man here? As I said, like going Hollywood, finally. Yeah, it's, 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 it's been off Broadway. Now it's the big the big time. Right. And I think that's the way I would have presented it as opposed to, like I said, digging up bones of things that don't exist and, and turning it into a storyline. You know, these guys, it's bad enough that these guys have to deal with the real life stuff that goes in. And then they throw in crap like that. And I thought we were past that point. I thought that was so 2006. 
But I guess we're continuing. When we don't have anything else, I guess that's what they dredge up. I, I was always reading for Samoa Joe to like mention uh, Carol Lynch or whatever her name was. Okay, uh, what was her name? <laughs> Claire Lynch. Yeah, that's, that's what I was doing flashbacks of. I was like, oh, here we go again. He, it's bad enough he had to endure this in TNA. Now he's having to do this in a supposed real company. And, you know, that's that's always the story that if they get a hold of guys with that much talent, they'd make the proper use of them. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's already been through this once before at a, a lot smaller place. I, I just I, I don't think guys like that that are the elite greats of all time even need to be involved in stuff like that. That's mid-card stuff. Yeah, that really is. And, uh, you know, I'm honestly hoping, that, you know, that there's a possibility, you know, that this could actually be the main event. But what will likely happen is our, our final match here will likely be the main event. But before we get to all that, let's take a brief break here and uh, hear from some of our friends here. What's up? It's Mikey O from the Average Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can find us at AverageMarks.com, on Facebook and Twitter at The Average Marks. Look, Patrick and myself, we don't claim to be insiders. We're just two average Joes who love the wrestling business, and we talk about our passion on a weekly podcast. We've interviewed some of the biggest names in wrestling today. WWE superstar Elias and Broken Matt Hardy, Sammy Callahan, The Draw, Johnny Impact, Austin Aries, Impact commentator Josh Matthews, YouTube superstar Matt Zion from Reckless Eating, and the list goes on and on and on, and it will not stop there. So, if you want to listen to a podcast that's just as passionate about the wrestling business as you are, check us out, AverageMarks.com. Facebook and Twitter, at The Average Marks. And we're a proud member of the Roar Network, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com. AverageMarks.com. This is CWE champion Hotshot Danny Duggan, and you're listening to my preferred podcast, the JK Podcast. Make sure to check us out live on our next tour as CWE presents WWE legend Brutus the Barber Beefcake, October 22nd to November 21st on the Strutman and Cutting Tour. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel here, along with Ryan Bowman, editor-in-chief of thegorillaposition.com, and Rick Vickery from the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. And you just got to hear from our friends down south, the uh, Average Marks, as well as Danny Duggan from CWE, coming back here in November with a very awesome show set up. And we're going to have Bruce the Bar Beefcake. Originally, we thought we were just going to have Matt Taven from the kingdom, but now we got the whole freaking kingdom coming to yeah. Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada. All three members of the kingdom coming. Um, Bruce the Barber Beefcake, uh, Rhett Titus, uh, you know, slated to be here as well. Yep. Like, really looking forward to this show that's coming in November. This is going to be uh, the biggest show that's happened in Sault Ste. Marie since the early 1990s when the wwe was was uh, or wwf back then mm-hmm. was rolling through um yeah i mean things are starting to really look up in the professional wrestling world for sue saint marie and we are so happy about that absolutely now going from that awesomeness 
We're going to transition to Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. It's like we just went from the top of the mountain to yeah. the biggest depths of the valley right oh. now. It, do you guys feel differently about this, or are we the only uh, Roman Reigns haters in the, the building here? I was going to say, you know, we were talking about how there wasn't much build for a lot of these matches. They've really, I, I, they've really gone out of their way to try to get some hype going behind this Universal Championship out. But it, it's kind of weird, you know. We're like last week we get Roman in, you know, five segments, yeah. and <laughs> you've even you've got Heyman trying to put him over in certain certain aspects. But it's almost the way they're trying to book this, where they they want us to just hate Brock Lesnar so much. That they even know that it's, it's to the point that we don't care who beats him, and they're hoping that we forget about all, you know, the dislike towards Roman, and just glad that someone has is going to be bringing the Universal Championship back to weekly programming. I think I'd love to find a lot of different storylines and angles you could throw in this, but at the end of the day, I think it comes down to contracts. I think Brock's fulfilling his obligations. He's obviously back in the USADA program. Mm-hmm. He's going away. What I think in this match is that Roman does go over like we all expect. And much like Rick, I think there will be a title match the next night on Raw. I think we end with Roman holding the title on the turnbuckle and Braun standing on the ramp with the case. That's how I think they get the heat. That's where you get the pop at the end of the show. Because even if they boo Roman, if Braun stands out on the ramp with the case and points at him, the people will pop, and that's how I think they'll close the show. Yeah, that's an interesting scenario. It's just it's it's something that I know I've harped on a lot, on quite a bit, you know, for going on. I mean, as long as we've been a show here, that uh, in my opinion, it's just it's a it's another example of them trying so hard to try and find some way for the crowd to like Roman Reigns, and it fails. Every single time with no matter, even if you use the Undertaker, he still can't get the fans to get behind him. Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, The Rock, uh, you, you could take any any of those names. You could bring out Stone Cold Steve Austin to, you know, smack beers together with Roman Reigns and, and then give him a stunner. And I still don't think that it would, they've tried absolutely everything and everybody yep. to really get a... a cult following i guess you could say for roman reigns and unfortunately it just doesn't seem to have happened maybe this will be the turning point though maybe if we see roman reigns come out of SummerSlam with that title belt maybe people will then jump on the bandwagon because oh well he won the belt so we gotta you know like the champion we gotta have that done right so the sad thing about it is this guy should be loved. He is the prototype of everything you would want in a pro wrestler. He's big. He's fast. He's great in the ring. He looks the part. You could put him on, on the cover of any magazine in the world. And they did love him when he first went on his own from the Shield. They did love him. He was tailor-made to be the star. And they put the stink on him for three years. It, it's a failed experiment. I think he comes out with the title. But I got to agree with you guys. I think, unfortunately, this is a guy that 20 years ago would have maybe been the biggest star in the business by default. But now it's just a different world, and you can't just manufacture a guy. You can't just cookie-cutter a guy into that spot. And that's what they tried to do, and quite frankly, they ruined him by doing that. 
Well, it, it, WWE, they really have no one to blame but themselves here because they've conditioned the audience that, you know, when they present an authority figure on screen, they, they condition the audience that that authority person's like, yeah, we, we're the management. We make the calls. We are hand selecting this guy as our champion. We're going to, we're going to push him at every opportunity that we can. When you see that on, on camera and then you see it really happening in real life, you just naturally are like, okay, we know Roman. No matter how you present him, he is the one that you're telling us no matter what you're going to push, you're going to give him every opportunity. So it's just subconsciously, it's like, we have to hate that person. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm going to dig up an old saying that I think, you know, I think I probably used when uh, we transitioned from being on internet radio to being a podcast when we were still talking about this whole situation where the Roman Reigns to where, and this is back when Ambrose was still regular with the company, Mitch, the potted plant that Dean Ambrose brought out to the middle of the ring and put on a stool, was, and probably still is, moreover, with the crowd, with the audience, <laughs> than Roman Reigns. You could put that picture up on, on the on the Titantron or the big screen, whatever you want to call it now, and the fans would cheer that more than they would Roman Reigns. Yeah. That and, is and if Roman goes over to. here, you're going to have to, if it's, if it's Kevin or if it's Braun, you're going to need something, some kind of interaction. If it's an actual cash-in or if it's just a teaser, if Roman is standing tall holding that championship at the end of the night, that Brooklyn crowd is uh, – they're going to flip out. I, 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 mean, I could almost envision like when we got to Hulk Hogan telling <laughs> us that he's, that he's aligned himself with Hall and Nash and all the trash and yeah. debris that is just showering the ring. I, I, I could see these – Seats being unhidden from the floor and being tossed at the ring. Yeah, yeah, I could see that too. I could. That would make for good television programming. That that would be odd. They could use that. They could yeah. go into the next night and go. You'll never believe what the crowd did after Roman Reigns won the title, and then they could show this and they could show it for the next several weeks, and then they could get Roman Reigns over that way. And I'm really grasping at straws now, trying to help the WWE get Roman Reigns over. And I'm sorry that it's really not working, but I'm trying here. <laughs> I know, right? Going more with this uh, because you know, I think you know, I you know, me specifically was predicting that, that he might they they might possibly you know turn him heel. Does that? I, I still don't think that that's like this magical fix that we're all hoping for. I, I, it's he's one of those guys where the fans are like you said, Rick. The fans are so conditioned now to to just want to not like him. And then there's there's just no easy way to fix this. And I, I don't know honestly what to, to really do. <laughs> no, nope. plain and simple. This is one of those cases where it'd be nice if you know, like WWE had a, a program or working relationships like New Japan where we could just send him away on excursion. That's they, what I've they, been saying. <laughs> His best thing would be to be to be it all in or something like that. You know, I mean the best thing they could do is is to sublet him out to another company, like let let them work on his image, give him a different identity on the indies. And let him come back fresh as Roman Reigns, a different new Roman Reigns. Get him some street cred. That's the one. That's the line I always use for these guys that come up through the WWE system. For the fans, the hardcore fans, they don't have any street cred. Rollins has street cred. He's been in Ring of Honor. Ambrose was Johnny Moxon. They, these guys have been around. For Rollins, I mean, for Roman, he looks like a guy. Again, he's just the cookie-cutter, factory-made guy. And, and we, we've never seen him, you know, I hate to say it, I, I, I always, I know we have, but for lack of a better expression, we've never seen him bleed. And when I say that, I mean, we've never seen him struggle. We've never seen him work indie shows. That, that goes a long way in terms of your, in lack of a better term, again, credibility with the fans. 
And, and I think he's lacking in that area. And, and it's one of the reasons why the crowd, the, the hardcore diehard wrestling audience will never accept him. Let me throw this as a, a scenario out there for you guys. Why not? This would be a great time. Like, say, if, if Roman loses at SummerSlam and they, they do nothing with him in the title picture, why not then capitalize in New Japan with this issue with Tomatonga? There's your opportunity. I agree. 100%. Yeah. I mean, what's, going on, what's going on on Twitter is much more, you know, is much more exciting and enticing uh, than what mm-hmm. we're seeing in programming. But, I mean, guys, we're talking a lot about Roman Reigns. Uh, a few questions for you guys here just about about Lesnar. Yep. Uh, is he, is he going to give up? Is he going to care? Is he really going to put forth an effort in this match? Uh, is he already checked out? And, like, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we've, we've got strong rumors out there that, you know, he is willing to continue working with, with WWE after, you know, after he returns from UFC, you know, I'm, what kind of effort? And are we going to be totally surprised if he actually retains this thing? Well, I, I threw out the scenario. I think it was actually on our last episode here to where uh, I had kind of laid out uh, my idea that where Brock retains and shows up on Monday Night Raw and just walks out to the middle of the ring and drops the title and say, I'm done. I'm going to UFC. Screw you guys. I'm going home. Yeah, that's a huge I, possibility. I, I would see it being a quick match that maybe Roman goes over and maybe Brock saying, "Look, I, I have to show up. I have to wrestle. I got to get my check, but I don't want to be out. I'm, I don't want to risk injury. I'm going into a competitive sport. I can see it being a short match and Roman winning in a in a three or four minute quickie like like Goldberg did. I, I can see mm. it playing out very similar to that Goldberg victory. One thing I, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Uh, you know, obviously, last week during Wall, we had the sit-down interview with Paul Heyman, uh, very emotional, and he, you know, yeah. was putting this match over, you know, better than any of the other Roman Reigns five segments that we saw. But they cut that interview short. Did you guys see the bonus, the bonus footage at on WWE.com? I did not. No, I did. Uh, yeah, it's they actually a lot more hints. <laughs> yeah, it's actually pretty telling, and it's a great cliffhanger. I I'm expecting them to actually run the bonus footage on Raw. This evening, but but Heyman, you know, he, he puts over is like I don't know, you know, if this is the most dangerous Brock Lesnar's ever been. I don't know if Roman Reigns can deal with that. But then the bonus footage we get Heyman kind of giving the teaser, or is there a way? Is there a, an equalizer? He was kind of you know hitting that that maybe Heyman himself is the solution to beating Brock Lesnar. Hmm. So you're you're feeling like a double cross, or basically. Heyman's going to cost Brock the match and then align himself with the Roman Reigns. With 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 Heyman though, I mean, he's that great mastermind. This could be him trying to get in, you know, into the head of of Roman Reigns. This yeah. could be a big a big plot, you know, being orchestrated by Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. But it's it's a great cliffhanger, and it's it's actually going to provide a lot of intrigue going into this match. I have to admit, I predict probably the most boring card of everybody here, and that's why I know I'm right. Because you guys, everything you guys have said is way too exciting for it know, to right? actually happen Sunday. I mean, and that's that's the that's the bad thing about this speculation is going into this, you you hope something big happens because God knows they haven't given you any reason to believe that there's going to be something big. So you're hoping that you're going to get swerved, you're going to get surprised by something. But at the at the end of the day, right now, I don't have a lot of hope for this show being a big success yeah. based on on the buildup. I'd love to see every all, a lot of the scenarios you guys laid out today. Unfortunately, I don't think creative is all that creative. Well, if they do decide to, and if they do take any of our ideas, you can send the royalty check directly here to the JNK Podcast, featured on the Roar Network.
That's right. Yeah, you can actually just send it to the Roar Network, and we'll distribute the funds <laughs> accordingly. Yes, that's even a better idea. So Management. Send it to management. <laughs> so kind of in, in closing here, I think that's a, a good way to kind of wrap it up here. We'll, we'll see. You know, I think we're predicting kind of a whole hum thing here. Maybe, you know, they'll surprise us. Again, this is supposed to be one of the big four shows of the year for WWE. Let's hope that they can knock it out of the park and kind of surprise us. We'll see. Right. So, so to kind of end off here, we'll um, tell us a little bit more about the the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, Rick. Yeah, you know the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can find us over on Podbeam, or you know, just go to Google, search it. There, you can find all the different platforms that we are available on. Uh, our new episodes they drop every Friday at four twenty a.m. Uh, it's a pretty unique show. Of course, you know we we do talk. WWE on on the weekly, uh, but Jarko and I were a little. We try to be a little more well rounded. You know, we we've got a great working relationship with Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we talk a lot of New Japan. We try to you know dive into the indie scene as well. So it, it is a very well rounded show. Again, new episodes drop every Friday at four twenty, and you just give us a Google search for the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Uh, also, you can catch Jargo and myself each and every Monday over on the Hameen Media Group platform. Uh, that's hackerhameen.podbean.com. Uh, if we go inside the locker room, we get you geared up for the for the big week in pro wrestling. Uh, again, there, you know, we're, we're pretty well-rounded. We're talking about promotions from all over the globe. Uh, then myself, you can catch me. Actually, it's going to be launching. Uh, we, we've retold the show. We have a new premiere coming up on one wrestling video over on YouTube. Uh, that is Tuesday nights where I go live for this week in WWE with the RBV, uh, and it, if any of your listeners feel so inclined, check me out on uh, all social media platforms at the Real RBV. And of course, if you happen to be in Chicago for Starcast and All In, uh, make sure you find Jargo and myself. Uh, we love we, we love meeting all the great professional wrestling enthusiasts out there. Yeah, some great uh, content there from you guys, and you are one busy man, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, Ryan Bowman, editor in chief of the GorillaPosition.com. Was here with us today too, and you also do a podcast on the Roar Network as well. Tell everybody about that. I actually, I'm proud to announce that I now do two podcasts, and we'll probably get all the members of the Roar Network involved with the new one, which we are launching. Uh, of course, I do Going Home with the Friday afternoon show after Rick and Jargo in the mornings. Uh, meet myself and Michael Melkor, but we are all also launching, and we're hoping to do it this Wednesday. Um, I'm waiting on confirmation back from my guest this week. But we're launching a new show called The Rhythm of the Ring, and we're going to have wrestling personalities talking about music. Uh, there's a lot of people that crossover, and music's kind of a universal language. I thought it'd be kind of cool to get people's likes, dislikes, and perspectives on what they listen to. And coming from wrestling personalities, I thought it, it would give us kind of a little more insight, a little more of a personal feel for the people in our business. So uh, Look for that. I think we're for sure going to launch the show Wednesday. I'm just not sure who the guest for the first week is going to be yet. We're waiting on that back, but uh, it will be this Wednesday. And, of course, always follow me on Twitter at Ryan K. Bowman, Facebook at Ryan K. Bowman. Please check out my Monday column, The Power of the Pen, this week, where I'm talking about Marijuana Matt, Matt Riddle, uh, and his future in the wrestling business. And, uh, as always, I'll be at StarCast with Rick and Jargo. Come by and see us and say hello, please, uh, the weekend of August 30th through September 2nd. Come by and say hi to the folks as we're up there representing the Roar Network along with this fine show. 
Absolutely. And still super jealous that you guys are going to get to be at, at StarCast, but, you know, hopefully we'll get to you know, hear and, and kind of see uh, while that uh, happens there because that's going to be, you know, as we had mentioned, that's going to be a landmark event, I think, in the business. And uh, really excited to see, you know, and and along with what Rick said there early on as well, I think it was actually before we hit the record on this, that uh, you know, hopefully it's the start of something great and not just a one-time deal. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the city of Schaumburg... I believe has commissioned to give Rick Vickery the key to the city. I don't know if that's a spoiler or not, but I, I've been hearing those rumors. Well, I, I think maybe the bigger, the biggest tease is when we do a follow up here after Starcast and All In is if I still have a full head of hair. That and also if I've, I'm broke because I've spent so much bail money on you and Jargo. Get you out of the can. And, of course, with the, the J&K podcast here, uh, coming up next week, we're going to have uh, an interview with uh, Dusty Gold, an independent wrestler. And looking forward to that, you know, and uh, to see that kind of perspective on the business of a guy that's uh, trying to, to work his way up and uh, make a name for himself. So we're looking forward to that. So stay tuned to it to hear more of that. And that's right. And, I mean, information for that, I mean, I'm going to throw out our social media stuff here for you guys yep. right now. You can find information on that on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can find all three of those platforms by searching at JK Podcasts. Yes, we needed to include an S on the end because somebody else had JK Podcast, but search out JK Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and stay up to date with everything happening JK Podcast. Joe, yes. before we get out of here, could I remind everybody to go to thegrillposition.com and if you're in the Rome, Georgia area uh, around September 22nd, you need to get down there to Superstars of Wrestling. The banner is on our, our front page on thegrillposition.com. Click on it. Go see. There, uh, you just got to check out the poster. I don't have time to go down all the names that are on there. But many, many Hall of Famers and legends. Rome, Georgia, September 22nd, Superstars of Wrestling. And it's an event we're very, very proud to be behind. Just yeah. wanted to throw that in. Oh, yeah, for sure. We mentioned uh, in our last episode, and yeah, we went through uh, you know that, that poster, and it was just like, you know, this hits you know the checklist for any wrestling fan out there. You're, if you're a fan of professional wrestling and you go to the show, you're going to find something that you're going to enjoy. Watch, just, there, there's just no way that, you know, it's, it's going to be huge, and... I, I just hope that it, it's filmed or recorded in some way so I get to watch it because I'm not going to get to be there in person. So many more events for us going <laughs> forward with the Roar Network. We're going to, of course, be having guests on with you guys and talking, and we're going to keep expanding that that line with promotions and hopefully get to your listeners and all the listeners on all our shows just uh, great perspectives from great personalities. And that that's kind of the goal long-term for all of us in this little grassroots movement we've all put together. So I, I definitely want to get that plug out there and, and just let everybody know we're going to continue to keep working with uh, – great wrestling organizations and and get these folks on the air on the jnk podcast yep and like you just mentioned with listeners where you can listen to us on podbean.com and on the other platforms we're on itunes we're on google play we're on google's uh, own separate podcast app now any of those kind of podcatchers and of course on the road network we're on the gorillaposition.com to listen to us there as well that's right guys so i think for myself for big joe for rick and for Ryan, I think that is what we're going to call a show this week. 
This one is a little bit of a longer show, so I hope you guys are still listening and still with us as we bring you our SummerSlam roundtable this week. Again, don't forget to listen next week as we have our interview with Dusty Gold. That is going to be an amazing interview, an amazing talent that's out there in the independent scene right now. We are so happy to have him on the show. And make sure that you go and check out thegorillaposition.com. You need to go there read the articles that are there there's links to all of the other podcasts that are connected with the roar network on the gorillaposition.com we don't want to forget about our other sponsors as well we are collaborated with hype city vapes as myself is a vapor make sure you go and check out hype city vapes i just got my three milligram collection from those people and i am uh loving it right now (laughs) a couple of different flavors i got six different flavors from them and it is amazing we don't want to forget as well about collar and elbow brand.com great collection of merchandise from al snow the creator of collar and elbow brand.com and when you go there you can use our promo code jk podcast and get yourselves 10% off your entire order, no matter what it is that you've purchased, whether it's new, whether it's clearance merchandise, doesn't matter. You get 10% off the entire order by using promo code JKPodcast at collarandelbowbrand.com. And on that note, folks, we'll see you on the next one. Ciao. This is Ryan Bowman, editor-in-chief of the GorillaPosition.com, and you're listening to the J&K Podcast.